Fallout 76 isn't dead yet. And we get a Ghost of Tsushima movie. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett, back and alongside me as 99.99% of the time, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you lucky episode 105. 105. Soon, there will be a time where I'm not on an episode and then Saul can start doing the same thing back to me. But until that day comes... We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, if this is your first time joining us, stick around to the end of the episode where you can get more of an idea of where you can find us, talk with us, communicate with us, join the community so that you can answer questions for the community's take and whatnot. But we get to that later in the show. For now, we like to start to show off the right way, the time-honored tradition way of Saul. What have you been playing this week? I haven't played a whole lot at all. Um... Up until just the other day. Yeah, up until Monster Hunter Rise coming out, and then I played a lot of that. So when did Rise hit? Friday. Friday, okay. Friday yeah. So I played it uh, Friday night, Saturday night, and then this morning I plan on playing it more tonight. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I thought it's been really fun. It is very traditional Monster Hunter, so it is everything I loved about World, but in a brand new world with more stuff that I could go around and do. Okay, so that's an interesting statement right there because the one thing that the long-running, very old Monster Hunter community had to, was issues with the world because of making it easier for people to get in kind of easier starting points but then still having plenty of complexity throughout the game. Um, and I only say that because I'm sure there's someone who's just like, listen to this, who's a huge PSP Monster Hunter fan and thought World wasn't as good and then thought that you're you claiming traditional Monster Hunter. I agree with you. I played. Listen, <laughs> I agree with you. If, but you if, if you think that. Diehards. Yeah. I don't know what kind of diehard you are because I, too, was a fan of the PSP games and the DS games. And I think these are better. They're more streamlined for a reason. And they still have the same amount of difficulty, the same amount of grindiness that you could do in them. I, I honestly don't get what people's problems are with with them, but um, but yeah, I, I like it a lot, and I've been enjoying it a lot. I'm not super far. I just unlocked uh, two star quests, all like two hours in, three hours in maybe, because everybody knows that every Monster Hunter game has a little bit of a build up to the beginning. Um, but Did yeah. you play Monster Hunter? Which one came? Was it third or which one came to um, Switch first? Was it a remaster of G- Generations? Remaster. It was Generations. Okay. Yeah, no, I did not play it. I played the uh, demo for it. Okay, the demo probably will be enough to tell you. The one thing that was exciting about Rise was that it was trying to be more like World and trying to get you big open areas. Did the remaster for Generations? Because I never played Generations on the, on the Nintendo Wii whenever it originally came. Anyway, did you? Uh, were you able to basically be in mostly a single world, or were there a lot of little load windows like there was in the PSP days? There's a lot of little load windows. I thought so. Yeah. Just because by nature of how they made those games. And uh, my most exciting thing about Rise and what you've been showing me about Rise is that it's so cool to see the handheld versions finally take on big open sprawling world. Yeah. And that's kind of what this is. I mean, to be fair, there is uh, a hub, I like, guess, maybe. Yeah. Like there is a hub. There's a village that you have. And there are like little load windows in there. Um, but yeah, it's it's just more of Monster Hunter. And I, I got kind of burnt out on world just because of the amount I put into it. And then I played a little bit more of World. And, um, yeah, it's just, I, I'm just having a blast with it. I guess it's, it's one of those kind of things that, like, even though you have a World, um, or even though that you have played something like this, you eventually come back to it, and it just gets more fun. 
yeah that's cool uh also, similarly, been ta- taking a big break from gaming. Pretty much the only thing I've played all week, surprisingly, has been FIFA. Primarily on Vita. I've not played really anything else. I've been doing uh, watching a lot of South Park on HBO Max and playing FIFA uh, 15 on my Vita. Working toward the Platinum because, thankfully... That is one of the few FIFA games that, for some reason, I'm a, it was the last FIFA game on Vita. Um, they decided not to include the online modes that the previous games had. Right. So you can get a Platinum without having to worry about any online trophies, which I'm not 100% against, even though they're kind of grindy. But bigger issue is that, like I've said for a long time, games that rely too heavily on these online trophies... After they close their servers, like I'm pretty sure the FIFA, uh, actually I know for a fact all the other FIFA, Vita, soccer <laughs> servers are closed, is uh, it makes it impossible to get those platinum. So the only Vita, FIFA platinum you can get in today's day and age is for FIFA 15. Hmm. Unfortunate, but that's cool because FIFA 15 have, did br- introduce more of the stuff, thankfully. Not just a whole lot. For, for the most part, the FIFA games on Vita were just copy and paste with a different year's roster. Yeah, but they did introduce a little bit more of ball control and dribbling control. So there's a competition we have going on for FIFA 21 where Andrew, our little sit along over here, um, me and him have a competition going on, and it's best two out of three. And so far, we are tied. So we have a final match today to determine it out. For him, I've been playing FIFA all week, but I've been playing it on my Vita, so it is different than 21. That means he has he he won't have as little of a competitive edge as he may think because they are inherently different games in the way that they play and perform. So we'll see how that ends up working out. But yeah, that's about all I have planned. I mean, I have stuff that I'm curious about that's coming on the line. I am really excited for Monster Hunter Rise and I do want to play it, but I don't know if I want to play it enough to go buy me a Switch Lite. Yeah, $200. Is it worth $200? I have a Switch, but my wife plays on it all the time and I don't really find the big Switch to be all that comfortable. I don't mind in terms of comfortability. It's just it's me with like the way I have to grip a handle. It's just yeah. like calming, like relaxing my grip. Yeah. Well, and then if I don't play it on that, right? You have, as you say, what's well, a full size switch? You can plug it in the TV. That's correct. I could. But at the same time, that means having to drag the switch dock back here, plug it in, everything. My wife almost doesn't really use it for TV at all. My my daughter does for just dance that she's been playing. So. Who knows? I will probably end up getting one, but I'm holding off on wanting to buy a, a, another Switch that's personally for me until I understand exactly how this new Switch that's being rumored plays out with the OLED screen, the bigger be- you know bezel-less screen, all that stuff coming together, what that means for battery life, if it is 4K or if it's using DLSS to get you to a basically 4K image. There's a lot of questions there. So apparently it's still going to be an NVIDIA chip. It's going to be comparable to an ATN, uh, which is Apple's ATN. I assume is what they mean, right? There's no other chipset that uses the A branding, I right? I don't know. I, I, I AMD used to. They had an A brand, an A series? Yeah, AMD. I think it was an A1. Well, that's so long ago that I'm not going to... No, it wasn't AMD A10. Really? But how long ago? Because I'm assuming it would have been an APU, right? FM2 Plus socket? That's old. Yeah, it's old, but I, so, yeah. I, I can't tell you how long ago. 2012. Yeah. So I would assume here that they're talking about an Apple ATN. That would be weird. No, I mean, it's a good comp- uh, comparison point for handheld sake. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Because what are they on right now for Apple phones? A12? Oh, I have no clue. I think the iPhone 
what is it? What are we on right now? Twelve. Twelve Pro Max would be Chip what you're set. looking for, probably. I think it's uh, I think it's a twelve or a thirteen, a fourteen. God, they're past that. So a ten is a good comparison point, but makes you wonder because is that really what they're talking about? There's a lot of questions there. Yeah. I and again, that's just a quick rumor thing I saw, and I didn't even remember what it further went into. We'll see what it ends up being. I mean the. Um, Tegra is what the Switch is currently based off of, right? The NVIDIA Tegra, which was the same chipset they used in their own little um, NVIDIA Shield, which was a handheld they had, which was a controller with a screen connected to it. And then they had a Shield tablet, which was... (laughs) What am I just witnessing over here? Saul's been uh, ruining the flow of this show. I'm I'm kidding, not ruining. I'll say, I cut my laugh With memes. I'm not. I'm not intentionally showing you something. You aren't. You. But it's in my peripheral vision, and it's hard not to see. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's about it. So uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking. I'm going to finish up Spirit Fair this week. I've been right at the very end, but was holding off. Um, but we're going to do that episode soon for spoiler chats. So we'll get into that. And as far as other games, stuff is on the horizon, and I'm just kind of curious if I'm going to be into it or if I'm going to try and look at playing some older games. I played a lot of indie, so I don't know. I'm still just kind of on that not wanting to heavily play games. We'll see what that's going to end up being based off of other stuff that comes around. I may end up coming back and finally finishing Demon Souls because I'm not far. Um, I'm on the Maneater fight, but I didn't, you know, clearly I'm doing Maneater very late game. I was going to say, yeah, it just depends on how, how many you've done before that. Dude, can you imagine? I mean this. Can you imagine? And I guess... At one point in time, I did do this. I just don't remember what it felt like, but I think about it now. All the people who are coming in and playing this game with no idea of the fact that you really shouldn't just play it, like run all the way through the first art stone, all the way through the second art stone. If you're playing that game and you're getting to that whenever you would just chronologically get to it by going through an order, you are not, you're going to be very ill-prepared for the Maneater fight. Well, and I think 1-3 stops you because of the mist. You're right. In the door. But I think you can go through all the way through the fifth arch stone or fourth arch stone. Well, yeah. No, but it's the fifth. Yeah. You, you stop at 1 3, right? But if you hit the 1 3 and you hit the miss and you go, okay, I guess I'm supposed to go to the second arch stone. Then and then you go, go through that. Through. And then you go through three. I mean, you're still going to have the same thing. If you get to Latria and you get to the Man Eater and you've not done any of the other gods and whatnot, in my opinion, I don't think you're going to be quite ready for it. Because the other reality of the Man Eater fight in Demon Souls is it's. One of the most unfair-feeling fights that has ever been in a Souls-like it's, game. It's annoying, yeah. Yeah, it's not... It's Yeah, it's annoying. That's really the best way to say it. I kind of almost wish they would have slightly tweaked that fight a little bit because of the fact that it, st- it still has every bit of the BS things that the original fight had in it. Which I guess if your idea is to just bring this game to a modern age and keep it basically the same, then fine. But if you're going to make little quality of life improvements on online play and all these other things, then at that point, why not just go ahead and say, this fight kind of felt unfair because of limitations. Let's go ahead and just fix that. Yeah. But I'm sure they would have pissed someone off <laughs> doing that. Man, I, I don't doubt it. But, yeah, so what's the world we live in? Uh, speaking of uh, Saul's Monster Hunter Rise, we had a listener lodge a formal request that we discuss. The, the backle that happened with it, but here's the problem. We couldn't find the as much as, as much as I heard like little things where it seemed like it had something to do with the digital pre-order being playable at midnight in the U.S. on day one, I think that that's roughly what it's about. I wanted to look more into it and kind of get an idea and be able to talk about what I thought about it, but 
whether it's just that the game is doing so well that the positive press is just woefully outbeating any negative press it got, I can't find it. Wait, what did you just say? You said the digital... I think what was going on, and I can actually go and look at the original message, right? Where it was Donovan, and he was telling me that the original setup, he said it was a problem that was specific, if I'm not mistaken, to... um, To the U.S.? To the U.S. Okay. So, he says, if I can get this thing to stop thinking I'm trying to type. Because I'm interested. Now he says, yeah, the Midnight Worldwide except the Americas. So it seems like you couldn't play the game at midnight, specifically in the Americas. So if you pre-ordered the game digitally, where you should have had it like every other digital release, at, at open at 12 at midnight, for some reason it seems that it did not happen that way. It said, and didn't say anything till exactly midnight uh, EST when it was supposed to come out. And then suddenly they said, it's not going to work. What's not going to work? The game? Though you won't be able to play at midnight. Like if something was going on to where it, it the pre, what do they call that? Pre-install or whatever? Yeah, I guess. So the preload? Preload. There we go. Yeah. Uh, the preload didn't work out or wasn't going to play out right. So. Well, that sucks. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, that, I mean, that, but that got enough people upset that they couldn't play it. Well, hold on then. Sean said the day after it came out that he, that he had played all night. All night. Again, I don't know if it happened a couple of hours later. I don't know if they were able to get it fixed by like 3 a.m. And then Sean was up at 3 a.m. playing. There's, again, not enough for me to know, and I couldn't look it up to see. That sucks for people who stayed up late, but I I, I haven't done that since. What was the last midnight I went to? God of War. God of War, yeah. 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 So, no, Spider-Man. You did that go to Spider-Man. But that wasn't at midnight. That was at 9 because he, and here's how I remember. We got home at like nine thirty and then the install and copy and everything took till the time I could have just done you're it. You're right, you're right, yeah. Digitally. And that was the last thing I was like, This is stupid. So <laughs> oh yeah, it sucks for those people. But um Yeah. Either I, way I wouldn't think that that would be like a big problem. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, like to cause enough like outrage to, for people to talk about it. Well, now, clearly it didn't because I couldn't find it. I should say this. Games media didn't talk about it. Now, I wonder if I go and look at like Twitter, which is not a good show of what the rest of the gaming world's actually going to do. I would probably search just Monster Hunter Rise. No, that's why I'm telling you. You can't do that. We'll see. We'll see. You're going to see nothing but people sharing their characters and their builds. We'll do re- related topic. And let's see. Oh, look, you can. There's four different animations for petting your dog. That's dope. You got to love it, you know? The fact that there's a Twitter that's can you pet the dog. Yes. It's constantly amazing to and me. And they, they constantly post games. Also, just throwing this out there because I really loved it, in uh, Mortal Shell. Yeah. Whenever you go up to the top of the tower and you can see, I can't remember his name, like Va something. Val, the cat. Whatever, the cat that's yeah. in the game. On PS5, whenever you go up there. It purrs it, it, so it loud that it shakes the controller. It feels like the controller is purring, and the the sound of the purr comes out of the speaker and the TV, and it really sounds like a cat purring, and I absolutely love it. What is this? What is that? Is that Monster Hunter? I guess. Yes, it is, because the armor. Yep. What is, what is the world? Yeah, so even a quick thing here. I can't yet see anything. I mean, I see people talking about Monster Hunter Rise, but it's all just in a positive sense. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that. So I don't, I don't know uh, yeah. if you guys know any more 
And if it affected you, I guess let us know. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Yes, is that unfortunate? Certainly. It is. But that's, I guess that's one of those things, too, where it's like your local game store is like, we didn't get our shipment in today, so you can't come get the game at a midnight opening anyway. I'm not saying it makes it okay, and I'd really wish I understand more. And, yeah, I'll say communication is a big thing. If Capcom were aware ahead of time <sighs> that the issues existed and weren't going to be there and then they didn't tell you until midnight when you were originally expecting to be able to play, then fine. I agree that that's an issue and it's something they need to work on. Communication is important in these cases. But I wonder, were they aware of the issue? Did it be- become obvious as soon as it was supposed to happen? Too many questions. I really don't know. So sorry for anybody who was uh, impacted by it, but that's just the reality of where we are. But we're going to get into the community's take real quick before we get into the main news and the rest of the show. And last week we had talked about the new VR controllers. So what we did was a kind of question about one of the things that first happened when VR was coming around was this thing of people saying like it's too early for it i don't know if i want to get into it or just being 100 percent disinterested in the idea and what we're kind of looking at is with the things that we're seeing and hearing about the new take on the vr systems and as vr has continued to progress on pc has your stench changed on that and uh we got a lot of answers has your stench changed on that i was like wow has your stench changed on it but have your has your stance changed on it yeah that's weird stance changed it's one of those things where the C and the CH just kind of flow into each other. Yeah. I'll say this. The, the, the one that catches my eye the most, not just because it's the first one on Twitter, but just because of the message. Exploding Platypus says, nothing entices me at all, not the games nor the experience. So I am, I'm happy that we at least came across somebody who was not like me, and they're kind of just like the, the mentality of like waiting on it. He's just like, no. Yeah. No, I'm not. I don't want it. And I think, you know, anything exists in that round. I, as much as it sounds crazy, I'm almost positive that there is someone out there who 100% in their own opinion has zero interest in the fact that the Switch is playable in both handheld and TV modes. Me. That's fine. And I'm be honest with you right now. I think that for the most part, with it being underpowered as it is, I don't really know the point of hooking it up to a TV just so... I see it's less power, bigger. The only big, and I don't mean that even in a bad way. I mean that in the sense of like the only, the only time I see it is reasonable to hook up to the TV. is kind of like when the PSP used to do it, where it's like you have a number of people playing and you're just trying to get it up on the TV to be able to work something out. So Smash Brothers, perfect sense. And yeah. like, uh, what's the squid game called? I'll, Splatoon. Splatoon. Splatoon on split screen, perfect sense. Mario Party perfect sense maybe even something like Pokken. perfect sense yeah I like fighting it. games and multiplayer games mario yeah. kart yeah but then it comes to the thing where it's the same thing about the switch Lite, where i don't understand why a usb-c to hdmi won't just take a 720p input up there and just do it there and the crazy thing is you can do that you could buy like well, i'm fr- sure someone's figured it out yeah, by now but the fact out. that nintendo did not support that day one is this shows how disconnected they are from the no. fact of most people are going to use it as a handheld that's true they're not disconnected they always do this they always have this weird gimmick and then they don't use it to its full extent and then they come out with an iteration that doesn't have it at all or it's just like yeah this is the same line of things but hey do you remember the 2d the 2DS, 2DS yep. that was not in 3d um it's just nintendo you gotta roll with it um Irish Joe on Twitter says, I have the PSVR. I haven't played it in almost a year. I don't have the room, especially having to use the camera. If the PSVR 2 works like the Quest without a camera, I'll definitely get it. 
I have enough room to set up. I have enough room for a setup like the Quest. Almost got one, but the PSVR 2 is in the works. And then he adds on, the same as the Quest, then I'll just get the PSVR 2 depending on the price. Sony can't sell it for the same price as a PS5, which... Big thing here. Don't underestimate that either. Sony certainly can sell it for that, but if, if you're looking at the expectation, I think they're going to try and hit that same $400 price point the original PSVR landed. Uh, I don't think that that's too expensive in my opinion. As much as the Quest is a good thing, the Quest has the added benefit of being able to be a full VR with a patch-through cable because of the fact that no matter what you do, as much as the Quest is cool, it can't handle large-scale games like something like Skyrim or fallout 4 vr because it can't process that much on its own side it can be used with that tether cable to patch through and just become a headset for the vr and that's cool but that costs extra money i think it's like 70 bucks and it goes to show that there are limitations so 40 dollars with all the stuff that's going to come in i think is a good part a good price point i think it puts them still in a competitive stance against all the other vr on the market still besides quest and quest is a, spe- a special situation um and i do like the quest i think there's a lot of cool things about it i don't like that it's oculus and i don't like that it requires you to link your facebook to it but there's a lot of other cool things about it um I'm curious to see how it's going to go still, though, too. We know that there's going to be at least a single cable, or there's going to be a single cable setup. I'm glad they've already confirmed that. Yeah. What does that mean for you? It's hard to say. And, I mean, we know that tracking is going to be heads, uh, you know, from the headset out. You don't got to worry about a camera. So maybe this is a more feasible setup for you while still giving you bigger experiences in a way that hopefully you still think $400 is worth it. If it is above 400 which they very well might do, We'll talk, but I, I'm definitely right now feeling like there's more benefit for this still somewhat nascent market to come in at that $400 price point or cheaper if possible. Yeah, but I just don't think that's, that the, if possible is the thing there. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with the, uh, like VR. Is it, is it, is it, what was that? I can't even speak. It's an enthusiast part of the hobby. So, I mean, expect some enthusiast prices, but you know, you look at what Vive cost three years ago you definitely get up to being close to a grand on some of the iterations of these things. Well, and the big thing here is actually the controllers. As much as I'm, I really wanted them to do new controllers, and I'm so excited they are, the tech and the R&D that goes into making those new controllers and the fact that it's going to require them, those controllers are a lot more advanced than what we had last time, and that means that the controllers cost more to, for them to make, and it costs more for us to buy. So even at that $400 price point, that's probably just a headset. Those controllers are probably going to be separate purchases where you, or you can do them in a bundle, but the bundle's probably going to be at least 500 if not more. Yeah, so cost of the console. Mindset is a big deal here, and that's just kind of where we are. I mean, for the Quest, if you get the Quest with controllers, where does it come in? I'm going to look up real quick because I find it interesting. I do think the it's Quest is a good... Con- it's $400. Con- yeah, okay, that's what I thought. So Oculus Quest 2... With controllers, that bundle is four hundred, and then the headset by itself is what three hundred, probably. Yes, should be. Okay, here we are. This is all in one, sixty-four gig SSD, all that stuff, and it comes with your tether cable. That's four hundred dollars. Two yeah. controllers, headset. That. Yeah. There is a version of this. I want to see if this is if I'm looking at this correctly. Walmart shows one for three hundred that has a picture with the controllers but i don't actually know if that comes with it because the other thing about the quest is it can do tracking of your hands yeah 
And it, it's, honestly, it's really cool. It's just I don't have a Facebook. And I talked to somebody in the past about this. Why don't you make a fake Facebook and just no? Okay, here we are in the what's included. You get a VR headset, two touch controllers, a charging cable, two AA batteries, a power adapter, and glasses spacer. Which so that, looks so like that's it's there. that's all that's all that's, included. In that's three hundred. The four hundred dollar one. I'm not sure what the difference is. That's the one we have at Target. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at it real quick because I do want to see. That looks to me like that's very likely the tether cable. That could just be the charging cable though. So let's get a good look because I, this is a good comparison point. Like I said, it's a, a good starting point. Sadly, it doesn't make as much. It doesn't tell you as much as what you're getting here. Well, you, while you find that out, I'm gonna hit up our last one on Twitter, which is our good buddy Shadow. Always likes responding to our community takes. So thank you, my buddy. He says I'm definitely getting a new PSVR. I just didn't get it back then because I couldn't afford it. And it was also one of the first of its kind, at least for PlayStation. This new one will be better. Good take there. That is a uh, a really good take. Okay, so Mitrix Link Cable is what's here. It says that this is basically the same thing, but you get that Mitrix Link Cable. I don't know what a Mitrix Link which Cable is. is. It, it, it's what they call the Tether Cable, which lets you, it says right here, PC VR compatible, step into incredible Oculus Rift titles by connecting our Mitrix Oculus Link Cable to a compatible gaming PC. So, yeah, fourth, let's just, you know, kind of meet in the middle and say that 350 ish is what your average price for the Oculus setup is going to be. Even if you want to say 400 for it to be able to be used in the capacity that the PSVR 2 would, as we're calling it for the time being, of being able to run more intensive games because you have a back end system that can do the processing and just send it to the headset. Yeah. So $400 is the price to come in here. And while I still think from what we're seeing here, I want to understand more of the differences between the Oculus Touch controllers and the. Um, the actual PSVR two controllers. What do you think that will be called? It's gonna be interesting. What do you? What do I think the actual PSVR two will be called? Yeah. I genuinely don't know. Dual sense VR, dude. The the fact that the Vita was not just the PSP two and <laughs> lost so much name recognition. Yeah, that's a. But then again, I want to say this: the Switch is also a huge selling console and has no re name recognition with anything. It's not a like the three DS carried name recognition from two DS or from the DS because you knew it. You know, you know the DS. To be fair, though, the DS didn't have any name recognition. When it first came, exactly. Yeah. It dropped Game Boy, yeah. and the DS, one of the best-selling consoles of all time. It's weird. Right. I think you know what it is, It is the best-selling console. It's just because it's Nintendo. Yeah, and then the Switch comes out with no name recognition. Yeah. Lighting the world on fire, so I don't know. But I, I think, genuinely don't know. I think, honestly, the name recognition for the Switch came the, the direct... Uh, or not the direct, but the, the second the trailer popped in there. Yeah, the second the trailer <laughs> showed the guy playing Zelda... And then, like, the rooftop parties, whatever, they always put in there of, like, people at parties playing this thing. Um, everybody knew about that. Like, even grandmothers across the country were like, that new Switch accessory looks pretty nifty. It makes me snap my fingers like yeah. this. No. My arthritis. <laughs> <laughs> I can't snap my fingers. But I can sure snap this controller into the side of this oblong plastic weird. No, I'm, I'm, I, look, here's the thing. I'm not going to crap on the Switch completely. I think that there's things I like more about the fact that the light is a monolithic slab yes. that's all together but we'll the see slab. we'll see what ends up coming out of the, the line but yeah name recognition is a weird thing but i don't know i personally would be 100 percent okay with them just calling it the psvr2 you know it's not you i just you know what they're I, gonna name it they're gonna name it the ps uh they're gonna name it life vr that is gonna be called the ps vita r yes pretty much <laughs> That's where I was going with that. Yes, that's terrible. If you remember from one of our cold openings from way back in the day, Sony, Vita means life, not death. 
That's exactly right. <laughs> All right, let's hop over to Facebook where Saul uh, has no clue what's going on. We have Richard Schaefer, who I know is a big VR enthusiast. He says, ever since the announcement of PSVR 2, I've had to contact multiple physicians due to having an erection that has lasted longer than four hours. Man, you need a... So clearly, my man is excited, and I know he plays a lot of VR right now anyway, so I'm not surprised. Between him and uh, a couple other, Brandon plays a lot of it, um, I think... I don't think Richard, uh, I mean, Richard does. Um, I don't think, God, I'm, I'm failing right now. Don't worry about me. Oh, my word. What am I seeing here? That's terrifying. It is. Uh, here goes an interesting one here, too, because this is a complaint, a, co- complaint, a complaint, complaint, a complaint that I personally have, but not to necessarily maybe the degree that they do. Uh, Chris Figs, and then I think maybe over in the Discord, we had the very similar response, might have been on Twitter, that came from... Um, our long-running homie sand coffin i can't find it but i know he talked about it anyway we're gonna go into it oh here he is he's on facebook so good they're both on facebook chris says the only thing sony can do to get me more than slightly interested in the novelty of vr is make a effing headset that fits me chris said that yeah chris brett has a melon head i think you're good yeah, well, here, yeah, that's the thing is me and him have talked. The current rendition of the VS, PSVR, I can play for about an hour before it really starts hurting my head. And I, I have a melon head, too. So I okay. do like the ideas they put into the VR that we currently have. They tried, but it wasn't enough. And mirroring that over here, Chad Van Horn says, what kept me from buying was how tight it felt on my head. If they address that with the next one, I'll be interested. Also, a Sword Art VR uh, or a Sword Art Online game would be a huge seller for me. And I agree, though I think that there's something a little interesting about Tempting the Fates about a story, which is basically about people getting into futuristic VR and getting locked in and wanting me to play a game where I go and lock myself into this virtual world through a headset, though I would 100% Especially do it. one based in an anime, because the th- second or third quest is Kill a God. That's true. If I die in that, do I die in real life? Exactly. See, this is what you, you got to be careful. You don't want to tempt the fates. Too bad, God. I'm already dead. It's funny. I was watching. I saw. I've been watching South Park lately, and they had that episode of Oculus where they're trapped in the VR realm, and they keep thinking that it's the real realm. That wasn't as good as the World of Warcraft episode. It's not as good as the World of Warcraft episode, but it was very good. And it just, I imagine the same idea of like basically in this case, you become Kirito, and you're just laying in your chair with you know drool coming down your face while you're stuck in the VR world, but. Either way, um, now Jeff Roberts, I know he was a guy who really liked uh, PSVR as well. We were talking about some of that. He says, I loved accounting plus on PSVR. It was, for me, something I played once or twice a month. I frequently got tied up by the wires, and the camera wasn't my favorite thing in the world to use. I recently picked up a Quest 2, going back to that, and I'm loving it. The lack of wires and equipment to set up makes it very easy to use. The new controllers PSVR uses looks interesting. FPS really shines in VR. And he's right. FPS does really shine in VR, but Jeff, I pose a question to you because I know you're also, if I'm remembering correctly, you're a big, um, why am I wanting to say Counter-Strike? You're a big Rainbow Six Siege fan. Um, And I would imagine that means, we may have talked about this, of playing a firewall. um, And where I'm at here is I do think that FPS does shine in VR. But to me, there's a big disconnect when you don't have a gun-like controller. So the peripheral stuff really matters to me. And one thing that comes into play here that's going to be unfortunate is that 
I really like the PSVR aim controller. I have seen no way that it can work with the new PSVR. So we're going to have to get yet another gun accessory. But I feel like that's needed. And I, you know, thinking about right now, current PSVR, they're doing the Doom 3 game. And from what I can tell, it looks like it's going to be supported with the PSVR aim. I do want to double check that. But that's the way I want to play that game. I don't really have any interest in playing Doom 3 VR with just the motion controllers or a controller. Well, I want to play it with the gun. It's a first-person shooter. I should be moving around a gun and shooting it. Um so that's interesting because I know that right now the Quest, as far as I'm aware, and I don't think Oculus has ever had a gun-like controller. I don't know. I just I want that gun-like controller. Wasn't uh, Doom uh, like non-mobile? Like, wasn't it the teleportation thing in that game? You talking about the original Doom VFR? Yeah, it started that way, and I think they may have patched it to where you could do it without it. But original Doom VFR was 100% teleport. Okay, uh, at launch. And or I shouldn't maybe it wasn't at launch. I should say this: whenever I originally played it at, at um, PSX, whenever I met Josh Trago, uh, he was online playing it as well. It was entirely um, based around that. But I think that Doom VFR either patched itself for aim controller. Yes, and here it is actually right now. I fe- in 2018, someone said on Reddit, I found too many people are unaware that Doom VFR has been patched to include full locomotion and smooth turning if you own an aim controller. This is a must. Hmm, okay. Because Skyrim was not like that, correct? Uh, Skyrim eventually did support full locomotion, but with the motion controllers. So you had to hold the right move button to move forward. And then you use your, maybe the same arm or your left arm to hold the trigger and rotate. It was very odd. It worked, but I would much prefer it on controllers that have analog sticks. Yeah. Like I don't really know how you make Skyrim work with the aim controller, but I would have been willing to try it. Um, one I can tell you about though is uh, borderlands two VR used the aim controller and worked really well. You just got to move around fully like you would with anything else and just aim the gun and shoot. So VR and FPS is like a match made in heaven. Just like I'll say VR and first person horror. I just say first person, but VR and horror games also really come together and work really well. It really does. But I guess that's what it is, right? VR and first person is where it's at. Yeah. Though Moss is a fantastic game and is in completely third person viewpoint. So, hmm. and so uh, while I haven't played it, Astrobot is one of the big PSVR games that everyone loves. I'm going to do a couple of more here. Um, well, we we got to hit Discord too. Don't forget about exactly. Discord. I was about to say we're going to do Discord real quick. We have got Rude Cold over here. He says I've only played a couple of VR games. He's one of our patrons, by the way. Thanks, man. He says I've I only played a couple of VR games at events, and I was so motion sick that I canceled my PSVR pre-order. Couldn't risk me always feeling like crap. Would would love to try PSVR two to see if it's any better but would def have to try before purchasing? Um, That's something for you to definitely think about, Sean, because one of the things that comes into play here is that the PS5, whenever it has certain games that have been patched like Blood and Truth, it goes up from a 90 frames per second that's being frame interpolated up to 120 to a full 120 native refresh. And now, right now, we don't know if there's plans for... Basically, 120 hertz refresh is the minimum for VR to feel right. PlayStation 4 couldn't quite hit that, so games had to hit 90 and then be interpolated up to 120. It created screen door effect and some other things that people talked about, but it mostly worked for a lot of people. You should see 
if possible, of course, you want to try it out again and see if it works out because I would imagine 120 hertz will be the bare minimum that games will be aiming to hit. We're already seeing games hit 120 without the BR in play. Right. Uh, and maybe if we get lucky, they'll even go higher, like a 144 hertz, maybe even support a 240 hertz. Basically, the more hertz you can get, the more smooth it looks. You're not going to have that issue. So hoping for you. Hoping for you a lot. No. He no. says, uh, let's see, Blaze2102 is my other one that I'm going to pull from our Discord. He says, I love VR. I had a blast with the RE7 experience in VR. I would be playing it now, but my headset died on me. Oh, sad day. He says, I don't know what they are charging. I want PSVR2, and I want it now. <laughs> you need to call JG Wentworth, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Games like Creed and Superhot uh, help keep me moving since we've all been stuck inside. I really need to do that, and... Uh, a beat saber is another big workout game as well. So I should have been using my VR more as well blaze, but thank you everyone for your input here. It looks like for the most part, people are willing and looking for this, but they don't necessarily, some people are still just undecided because of the nature of what PSVR was. And I think Saul is a perfect example of someone who went and had the general interest in at least giving it a shot, but wasn't as sold on it day one. I was more sold on it day one, but as the generation has let, gone on and we've had more limitations with the controllers, I've played less and less of it. So I could see there's a there's a reason people are hey excited, but I want to know more. Yeah, it's a, it's a big investment financially and space wise, and you know, like Blake said, there's just not enough games. It has to be more than five games. Yeah, and and that, of course that depends on every person. True, but I think for a lot of people, the big thing I've appreciated about VR, I say this, is a lot of people wanted more than experiences. And early days, like Resident Evil Seven was one of the only like full on games. Farpoint came and it was kind of like a short half shooter, and it was good. But you get this thing where people want full scale games, and we started getting more of that. But a lot of what we got of that was games we've already played, like Doom or Skyrim, or Borderlands coming over and being ported to VR. And that's cool because they all work well, but they're games in known quantities, and they're not built with VR in mind. So as we're getting more and more cool games that are just people going in and making sure the game is 100% designed for VR, like Firewall Zero Hour, or uh, some of the more in-depth games like Astrobot Rescue Mission, and things like Moss, those are great games, and they're great. They're more than just little experiences, but we still need more. We need those Half-Life Alexes. Yeah. You need a new original VR games that can help carry the system. Yeah. And Sony's given their fair share, but there still needs to be more. So we'll see how it ends up playing out. But thank you guys for getting in on the community's take. If you want to answer the next one, head over to our Twitter at TriangleSQRD. You can get in there. You can join the Discord, which is always linked down in our descriptions below, no matter where you're watching on YouTube in video format if you're listening on your phone computer whatever you can click through and find that we'd love to hear you we're also on facebook if you want to join that group it's triangle square to playstation podcast just ask to be entered and we will gladly get you in on there and we uh, thank everybody for coming today and <laughs> <laughs> no but, but uh you know what's cool about our discord is that if you join you can have a normal plain white name that's no fun but if you join via our sponsor aka patreon.com slash nartech you get these cool multitude of colors depending on your tier and you get to show off that you have, in fact, thrown money in our face, and we accepted it. And, you and every time color. you message us, yes. we are reminded that we are severely indebted to you. Yes, uh, by whatever rank you 
pick on Patreon, no more, no less. Uh, <laughs> but, but rank, we're in like the Navy here. Yes. Listen, sir, your opinion doesn't mean as much to me. You're not a sergeant. He's not a square. Get him. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, this show is brought to you uh, from our Patreon. Thanks to you guys who help us with the cost of podcast subscription feeds for RSS feeds and stuff like that, equipment updates, and a, a multitude of other things that people think uh, or people don't realize is a contributing factor to getting the show to work. So thank you all. Yeah. Long story short, this this show is brought to you by you. Yes, it is brought to you by you for us, for you. And if it's not brought to you for by us. you, you can change that and have it be brought to you by you by going to patreon.com slash You get your name read out and it credits you, dummy. What else do you need? All right, guys. Thank you, though, very much. And we're going to go ahead and get on with the news. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, though, not it's a pretty, it's pretty slim line week. There was so much last week. Yes. That there was no room <laughs> there's no, there's for anything. There's no good news in this at all, either, to me. I don't care about anything in here. <laughs> or, I mean, I do. I care. But it's not like... Last like, week was so exciting. So last week was exciting. The, the last thing we're talking about is something I'm actually excited for, which is Rust coming to consoles. But we'll get into that here in about 15 minutes. Yeah. Which, in about 20 minutes, Andrew, that's when you put the order in. Because <laughs> it's a 15-minute thing. I'm, I mean, we're all hungry. Hashtag pizza day. Not quite pizza time. <laughs> all right, first thing up, if you were thinking Fallout 76 was just coasting on its current state for the foreseeable future, then this new content roadmap will either pull you back to the game if you've played it before, get you in for the first time, or tell you yet again that you don't care and you don't want to play Fallout 76. Those are the three options. Uh, Spring brings special loadouts, allowing players to overhaul uh, their builds and save custom setups to easily switch between them, which is right in line with the Bethesda um, RPG elements, right? You build up a character and make it either to where they don't have to dedicate themselves to something. They can always just go quickly and easily change it. Or you can have it to where you can just be a master at everything like you can in Skyrim. This works for them. People tend to like it. And I actually think this is a good idea for what people like about them. If you're going to make a game that is a little more restricted than what you've done, but now you're going to make respects super easy and not only super easy, but basically to where you can save your specs down to custom classes that you've made and just go and switch between them anytime you're at camp. I could see this being a cool thing for them. Speaking of camp, there are camp slots that allow players to build more than one camp across Appalachia. You can only have a single camp active at a time, but apparently you can just switch them around in the menu whenever you want to switch which camp you're doing without having to constantly move your existing camp. Uh, each camp can have a different name, different budget for what, how you want to build it. So if you want to go through and just make something crazy, I guess you can. The uh, new daily... Ops update will add more randomized content for players to partake in and multiple quality of life improvements for the game. That's all spring. Summer brings steel rain to the game and expands on the story of the Brotherhood of Steel. Fall brings an evolution to the way private worlds work, which who knows how that's going to work out because right now private worlds are linked to that Fallout first subscription. Stupid. <clears throat> anyway, and it's not really that stupid. It was stupid no, at the is. time. No, it is. But this is not that different than Minecraft Realms, if we're being honest. But Minecraft's a lot more popular of a game as well. So, I again, at the time when everyone was not enjoying the game and there were a lot of issues, and then you say, by the way, pay to play our game, it was dumb at the time. I still think that there's an argument for people who think that this is not necessary, but we'll see. Maybe Private Worlds will be going free to play or basically buy the game and it's free to play. But considering that you can get the game at any GameStop for 5 to $10 at any given time, Hey, who knows? Um, 
Let's see. Winter finally brings new legendary weapons and armors alongside camp pants. Uh, pets. Pants. Pants? <laughs> camp. telling me I got to pay $6 for pants Camp now? pets. That's not all, though, as it shows that 76 will continue on much in the same way that Elder Scrolls Online has, um, which is interesting because Elder Scrolls Online has actually become a fairly popular online game. Yeah. So Fallout 76 can definitely get itself there because if anybody remembers, Elder Scrolls Online was also not that stoked at launch. It wasn't as bad as 76. Well, no, okay, it wasn't launch, but then it fell off very, very shortly after launch. Okay, well, there's two launches, though, too. It launched on PC, and it never quite blew up. Yeah, and it, I'm talking it about fell console quickly. launch. When we then, it, it. then it came on to console launch and did have a big surge, and then everyone realized that even though it's an MMO, you can't do anything together right. at the time. And then it fell off again. But interest has, for the most part, stayed pretty high. And it never quite had the the same heft of issues in terms of player concerns as 76 did. But 76 has been updated plenty of times, and a lot of people really like the game. So if it continues to push that way, that's fine. I think the bigger question here is, for people, basically, does this have any merit or any consequence or whatever on how far we are from a Fallout 5? Um, my my suspected answer is no. I think the whole reason they came out with their Austin branch that they added on was to basically have a team in Austin where it's cheap to develop games in comparison to a lot of places and just have that team be for this game. Yeah. If that team continues to evolve and expand in the long run, then you may end up seeing a, an original IP out of them. But I assume they'll keep this game going and just be a support studio. Oh, y'all need some help getting these... Uh, Elder Scrolls. These turds six. polished. <laughs> turds polished, yeah. But we'll see how that ends up actually playing out. So next thing up is Ikumi Nakamura, who you may remember as the internet's favorite presenter from E3 2019 back when she revealed Ghostwire Tokyo and was revealed to be its creative director, which she revealed shortly after was no longer her project as she left the studio. Um, she is bringing a new independent studio and it has the intent to bring a new IP to market. As many will remember after she left Tango, she went on a tour of studios, including like, you know, she went and visited God of War studio, Sony Santa Monica and spoke with Corey. And at the time, a lot of people thought that meant that she was like potentially going to join one of those teams. And she says that what that actually was was her way of learning what a good work environment looked like so that when she started her studio, she could basically work it out. She talked about her time at Tango Gameworks as if she was, she said she was basically ill because of how much pressure there was on them in relation to the job. And she talked about while she was at Capcom, there were people who would like executives who would sleep under their desk because they wanted to make sure the games came out in a timely manner and right and all that. And that she just didn't want that. So Interesting to see. Right now, there's no real information on what the studio's name is, what the game is behind it. So it's probably pretty far out as she's right now still currently building out the studio. But we'll get new more uh, more news down the line. So I lied. That was another. That was another good piece of good news in there. That is she's good. she's cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm interested to see where she goes too because right now it does seem like there's a big thing of Japanese developers going off to independent studios to really change the way that their studios work. I mean, we saw that with Kojima, and regardless of how you personally felt about Death Stranding, I think the fact that Death Stranding actually did come out fairly quickly, in terms of development time, shown off way too early. Right. But in terms of de- development time, a brand new IP came out pretty quickly, and I think was had a lot of cool ideas. It does seem that 
the long running thought of the Kojima curse really didn't exist so much as people having expectations built upon announcing too early. And that's just the reality of it. You know, Metal Gear Solid 5's big thing is it was announced far too early. And it also had to have an engine being built alongside development, which right. slows it down even more. So Good old Fox engine. Yeah, and then he built all that up just to drop it all and have to go find a new engine. Well, Konami owns it now. Dude, can you imagine? Yeah, has that, has that engine been used on anything other than Metal Gear Survive? I, I was going to say yes, Metal Gear Survive. <laughs> it's built, not a bad engine at all. That's the sad part. It's just not you. Great utilized. engine. Yeah, just didn't get to go anything else. Uh, yeah, that one's going to be interesting to see how it comes off. This is a big piece of news, mainly because I'm curious as to how it'll impact anything, if it will at all. Uh, Microsoft isn't closing its checkbook just yet after purchasing Bethesda for $7 billion. This time, looking at a slightly different purchase, Discord. Apparently, Microsoft is in exclusive talks to buy the company for a purported amount of over $10 billion. This purchase would likely be looking, in my opinion with what Xbox has going on uh, to tie in with Xbox's recent moves as discord is a huge community hub for gaming. And if I, if they leverage it right, I think they could set this up to where for voice chat, they already have basically pretty good setup for seamless chat between uh, the computer version of Xbox and the console version of Xbox. But this could be a real way to set up a community, which is funny because that's what PlayStation just killed, and have seamless co- a connection between Xbox and PC console-wise if they buy this. But I'm curious if they have more... Uh, is there non-Xbox plans for Discord? Or is it just owning it because it's a big thing right now? That's a good question. Um, you know, you would think that there would be some cool integration with Xbox and party chats. There, and there already is integration with Xbox, in case someone knows. PlayStation, yeah. this doesn't exist. If you're on Xbox... It'll Discord will show what you're playing at the moment. Yeah, and uh, it'd be cool like if uh, you could host a party chat on Discord, so then that way, people who are playing on PC and Xbox can have party chat like normal. But then people on PC who don't aren't playing that game, who aren't in that party chat, can join anyways. It'd be like a three. It'd be like it'd be the answer to um, say if we were playing Sea of Thieves and then Joe wanted to join our party chat, but he didn't have the Xbox app on installed, he could just jump in the Discord. And it, Bam. And it, shares at all yeah it'd be it'd be really cool um but it would also just have it to where you can have an open party without having to go through it if or, you're already in, integrated into discord or they could just buy it and just destroy discord and then make it by you skype which is not their plan people keep saying that's their plan they, they would be massive idiots that would be a ridiculous plan yeah because there would just be a new discord pop-up by new somebody new Wild. Anyway, while, while exclusive talks are occurring right now epic games was originally uh, interested in this as well so Currently, nothing is for sure. Nothing's set in stone until a deal is made. So, we will see. Yeah, I. Uh, but I'm not too worried about this. But this this goes to show you that when we say that Bethesda was not a massive purchase for them, I'm also going to delete that by the way because that's NSFW. <laughs> but um, it, it just goes to show you that like we weren't joking when they have money to throw away. I think throw away a strong word, but yeah, basically well, yeah. they have money to throw at stuff. Yes, they do. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Though, again, you know, you look at Bethesda was clearly a purchase to benefit Bethesda, even though it was a Microsoft, Microsoft purchase. Yeah. Um, or benefit Xbox, yes. even though it was a Microsoft purchase. In this case, I don't know. I don't know if this would be something that is a benefit to both Xbox and Microsoft proper or what. It's kind of hard to tell. Uh, we'll see in the long run whether this actually goes out, but... 
here's the thing too just because xbox or microsoft buys discord does not mean that we're going to suddenly kill our discord or our discord will burn up and fire anything it's just change of ownership like saul said most of the time when companies want to buy another company most of the time is because that company is doing something right and they just want to be behind it um but we will see Surprising news for the next one. Ghost of Tsushima, Sucker Punch's PS4 swan song and massive success story for PlayStation, has been announced to be the next project getting the PlayStation Productions treatment, as it has been revealed that the IP will be developed into a film adaptation with John Wick's director, Chad Stahelski? Yeah, okay. Chad Stahelski attached to direct. Um, I admit a cardinal sin right now. I've never seen a single John Wick movie. They're not bad. I've the heard. first one's really good. The second one's pretty good. The third one's what was the good. third one's name? Parabellum. Parabellum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know what this means to anybody. See, people seem to be excited about this. It doesn't have much weight to me, but that's just where we are. It's more interesting that we're seeing them quickly move on this IP. But it's if you think back to when they originally started wanting to do movies based around their games, it was pretty quick. They really quickly, after Uncharted came out and was a modest success, decided they wanted an Uncharted movie. Then The Last of Us came out, and they're like, we want a Last of Us movie. This comes out and is a massive success, and now they're like, we want this as a movie. At least PlayStation Productions exists now, and it seems like it's, it's attempting to actually get these projects moving and not just sitting in development limbo for years and years and years. So how quickly we actually end up getting this movie and how good it is is all up in the air, but it at least seems like we'll get it quicker than we got the Uncharted movie, which we are finally getting. They're going to cast The Rock as Jen. They casted Mark Wahlberg as Sully. No, 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 no. Back up. You know who's going to be Jen? Adam Sandler. Skojo. Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> Listen, I don't have any hope for this. I do, I do not like Sony Productions. They're not bad. They have good movies, but they have bad, bad, bad movies. And they have bad decisions that would make those movies bad, like cast in Tom Hardy as Venom. Why? Sully. Sully. Mark Wahlberg. Why? Why? Tom Hanks. Oh, dude. And Nathan Fillion. <laughs> That's a much better movie already, in my opinion. Uh, I'm not, okay, I, I, here's the thing. Of course, I haven't seen this movie. I'm not going to act like I know this movie's going to be good or bad. Mark I could Wal- end up loving this movie. Mark Wahlberg himself. Have you ever seen The Happening? Yes. Okay, listen. Here's my, plot. Here's my fan theory. He's going to act just like he did in that movie, but with a gray mustache. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. The only good, the only, there's only one movie. Also, I'm going to say right now. I don't necessarily know how I feel about Tom Hardy and being Venom and whatnot, but I actually thought Venom was an okay movie. Much better than I expected from Sony. Yeah, but that's the, that's the problem, because you, cause you expected less. Yeah. You expected less, therefore it was better. I expected more from Marvel Spider-Man than what I got. I like Tom Holland as Spider-Man. I don't like Tom Holland as Nathan Drake. I think that's weird. I'm not saying that movie's going to be bad. I'm just saying that, they, that casting choices are weird. This movie seems like it's been stuck in development for way too long. Age-old problem, though. I've said it a million times. When you're developing a game into a movie instead of a book, there's already an expectation from everyone who's experienced it as to what these characters are supposed to act, look like, and all those things. Whereas 
when in a book you have more room yeah, to yeah. adapt and move. Now you can still end up getting upset, but that's because everyone has their own mental image about what these characters are. So while you can say, I don't feel like he looks like Harry Potter at all. Everyone can be like, well, I, that's kind of what I imagine Harry Potter to look like, or this is what I imagine he looked like. But in the game, we all know what Jin Sakai looks like. Cause it's not our imagination telling us based it, off of description. We see it game. So it's, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting, but one thing that the game did a really good job of was casting a lot of Asian people in to play these Asian-based roles. I would imagine that they would not be stupid enough and tone-deaf enough to cast an entire movie about a game that did it right, in, I think, in most people's opinion, and then come in and just have it be a full cast of Mark Wahlberg's and oh, Tom Hardy's I would love and it. Scarlett Johansson's. Every single person, including the women in the new Ghost of Tsushima movie, is just played by Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Soli has a dad bod. Dude, it's like going back to the time whenever they would have one actor play every role. Like Eddie Murphy? Yeah, like Eddie Murphy or um, um, Mike Myers. We're going to have that kind of setup. It will be Ghost of Tsushima with Mark Wahlberg playing every character. It's going to be fantastic, Saul. I would actually, this this sounds antithetical to everything else I've said, I would pay to watch that movie before I would pay to watch Uncharted. <laughs> yep, yeah, it's not even a gray mustache. No, it's just... Uh... But then again, he's supposed to be younger, so we'll call it it. It's fine. We'll see what ends up happening. Also, do they want these movies to be canon to, to the game stories? I hope not. I don't not. know. I hope that's... not. We'll see. We'll see. That doesn't even look like young Sully. Young Sully. That's my new rap name. All of my rap songs are going to be about whores in churches because that's the kind of guy that Sully is. We're going to see what ends up happening with it, though. I mean, I'm still also curious to see what ends up happening with the long-talked-about um, TV, whatever you want to call it, adaptation of Twisted Metal. That's going to be garbage, too. That's going to be... It's going to be... Um... Uh, what was that movie called? Death Race. That's all it's going to be. The one with Jason Statham? <laughs> we that, talked it, about this the other day. I'll slap you. Hold on. We literally talked about this the other day. I know, but I, because I've never seen the movie, I have to know. Because what's the other one that I was talking about that has Kurt Russell in it? The one we were talking about the other day. Death Proof. I'll smack the mess out of it. That's you. fine. I've seen one of these two movies. I've not seen the other one. I don't care for Jason Statham all that much, if I'm being honest. He's Oscar-worthy in Fast and the Furious. Okay. You're supposed to say, really? I was, like, was going to say, no, I'll slap you. <laughs> all right. Next thing up. Already strained supply chains for next-gen consoles may only get worse as PS5 shipments could be impacted by the ship that is currently stuck in the Suez Canal. As if you don't know. That's what's happening in the world right now. Due to a number of ships returning to Asian ports much later than anticipated, there will be a backlog of goods that could take months to sort out. It is unclear at the moment to what degree this will actually impact the system or systems in general, or if Sony or Microsoft or Nintendo in this case will opt to get consoles out to meet demand by diverting shipments from boat to plane, as we've once seen Nintendo do in the early days of the Switch. I don't know if you remember this. When Switch launched over here, they flew an entire plane full of Switches to meet demand. Yes. Super expensive in comparison it, to boat. I have a PS5 with less than 100 play hours on it, $2,000. <laughs> Somebody hit me up. Uh, anyway, for now, it just stands as one more complication in a series of challenges faced by poop, as it looks like Saul has come in and uh, typed in the notes. And I appreciate I that. I love it. 
once every couple months, for those that don't know, I go into our Google note news or our notes and I'll change a word around and I'll see if he catches it. Last time he caught it. I caught it this time. You didn't catch it the first time. Okay. <laughs> Last thing up that Saul is excited about. Yes, also, real, real quick before that, this the reason that this is actually kind of interesting is I'll tell you, in my business that I do right now, where I work, I sell furniture. And import furniture that's not made in America is having huge supply chain issues because of changes to customs and a bunch of other things. So what ends up happening is that Ship workers go off and do different things, and then boats end up being delayed, and then it does take months upon months to finally sort out these things that are only, even if this ends up being a couple of days, this couple of days can result in months of issues to try and fix. We are having huge issues getting stuff in that is actually more budget-friendly import furniture. So it makes a lot of sense that in this case, if these ship, if, if we already have consoles on boats that are just having to suddenly go around the Cape or hit docks later than they intended... This could have a big thing unless Sony or whoever decides to go, screw it, the demand is high enough there, we'll get the money back later from a bunch of other things, put them on a plane, let's ship us all the PS5s that we can. Don't expect it. Possibility. But we'll see. Uh, so Saul's exciting thing is Rust Console Edition, which we talked about a while back, has been given an actual date inside of its release window, finally releasing on May 21st. It's been clarified by the console release. It's been clarified by the developer that the console release, while based on the PC game, has been designed and optimized for a, quote, completely separate and unique console player experience, end quote. Uh, This means that the console version of the game will follow its own unique update roadmap that is separate from the PC version, similar to how Minecraft was for a long time. And they talked about why. Uh, So when Double Fine were coming in and doing this, Double Eleven, not Double Fine, Double Eleven, when they were coming in and doing this, they said that they had to kind of choose a starting point for the game's PC version and then take that and then build more complex features up manually because of how hard it was to go in and change and redevelop all the subsystems of the game on top of Unity for it to come to consoles and work in the way that it is supposed to. So it's interesting. Saul and I were originally wondering when we didn't have as much information about it, if it was going to be linked into the PC version, if it was going to be like the PC version and have its own master server. That has not quite been answered from what I can tell yet. I feel like it would be weird if it didn't. Because like just the fact, because for those that don't know, if you missed the episode we talked about it, Rust is a game where you wake up buck-ass naked on an island with a rock. And it is your job to take that rock and to go chop down trees, to get wood and make bows and arrows and stay alive until you can eventually get into the... Uh, you can get into the... Um, depths of the island where there are stuff like machine guns and stuff like that and while you do that you have to build up bases to survive and have food and stuff like that but there are other players on the island with you and it's deadly like you can come across somebody and you sit there and you try to chat with them they may kill you just because they're toxic or um, they may help you out but the thing about it is is that you log off after you spent you know 10 hours of a game gameplay building this base up and while you're offline your base is still there and they can destroy your base, they can raid your stuff, but of course you can build traps, and you have to make your base secure, and uh, some clans even have people who have, like, shifts, like, well, like, one person goes to bed, the other person wakes up and plays Rust. It's crazy. That's smart, though. You, I know that this exists in other ra- ways, but it kind of reminds me with the trap and whatnot, 
The little bit that I did play, because I played Platinum well after everyone else, so I don't know if this was originally in Diamond and Pearl, but it was at least in Platinum uh, for Pokemon, was that you could log on and play with each other, and you could basically have a base that you set up, and you could set traps for people so that when they entered your base, they'd fall through floor traps and whatnot. It's a great idea, but one of the things that is both prevalent in gaming right now, and some people really love, and then some people really hate, and I find myself, depending on the game, in between, is that setup where games are trying to force you to only play them? And it doesn't even mean that they're doing it in like a benevolent sense where they're like, ha, I'm going to come get you and, and make you do this because I don't want you to play anything else. But these games are being designed in such ways of how can we pe- keep people in our game and wanting to play our game? And that's a great way to do it is to have it to where every moment you're not playing the game, you're like, what is happening to my stuff right now? Yeah. Um, but that... I'm both excited about the aspect of it because it's cool on paper, but I don't know how much I'm going to actually like it. Uh, it <laughs> because I mean, I, unless we do something like that where we try and set up whoo, things, which I don't know how we're going to yeah, do. Yeah, we're not going to do unless that. Some, unless some triangle squared boys that live in, some, uh, live in different countries or different time zones and have crazy sleep schedules want to, you know... Work it out. One thing about I don't know how I, this pulls off. One thing I like about Rust too is that every single server, no matter which one you join, has reset weeks. And it's like you can you could because think about it this way: if like if if a group if a clan of players is so oh. good, they can get all the weapons on the map and hold them. Then when reset week comes, they, everything starts anew. Yeah, so, that way you don't have the problem and, that like Mag had, where people who have played for a long time and get really good or just already have everything they need, yep. and then suddenly new players just don't stand a chance. Yep, and then every gear spawn is changed on the map, and it's completely brand new map. It's, I mean, it's the same map, but it's a completely brand new layout of where buildings are and stuff like that. So it works really well, and I'm excited for it just to see how it runs. I want to see how this PS5 version runs. But me too, uh, because with this, it's going to naturally have enhanced backwards compatibility basically because it doesn't have a standalone ps5 release but it is supported and like sony said all games have to be able to run on ps5 so i would imagine that this game is made to have an unlocked frame rate mode that can get it up to hopefully 60 on ps5 it's it's really easy to run this game on pc at least my pc i thought i don't know why but i thought this game was gonna be hard no i think i had it on ultra settings and i was at 60 frames 1080p so the ps5 has to run this at 60 there should be no excuse that it doesn't Outside of issues trying to get Unity to run on console in the same way the PC did, because yeah. that's that's what the Forest ran into was that Unity on PC is set up to be a little bit easier to go through and work out with everybody, and it has if you have overhead you can work it out on console. It's a little harder to, for them to actually come back and recreate these things. But Double Eleven's a really great developer. Yeah, that's up to you. I would uh, say no. What would be the community's take? Yeah, this week's weird. I think I'm going to go back because we clearly have very strong opinions about PlayStation Productions and all the stuff they're doing. I want to go back to that Ghost of Tsushima and in general seeing Sony do their PlayStation Productions things. We've never done this that I'm aware of. Are you just excited about PlayStation Productions or do you even care? And if you do care, do you care from a standpoint of knowing that this is just more ways to experience some form of things that you love? Or do you want it to tie into the games? Do you want it to be completely separate? Are you really? Are you just excited about it or not? And you you can be excited about Ghost of Tsushima, but across the board, because like Saul said, we have Twisted Metal coming. We know that we have. Well, I say we know 
there are hints that there are other things coming. We know that the Last of Us TV show is coming, which is in you know, I guess partnership with HBO and PlayStation Productions. Where do you land on it? Because that's I'm really curious to see how the greater fan base likes it, or if this is really Sony trying to get back people who are no longer really very avid gamings by getting them to watch TV shows and movies about things and then going, you know what? I kind of want to try that game and then maybe get them back into gaming. Is this about just being more cross media in general and trying to pull off the Marvel and DC things they're trying to do right now where they want characters and gaming and movie and TV and everything. It's hard. I don't know. To, it's hard to say. Um, I don't, are you, it, it, we'll add on to this uh, on what are your feelings about Sony productions or PlayStation productions, but are you a kind of person that can be inspired to play a game based off of a, uh, a movie. Uh, there has been movies like uh, I watched. Um, oh, what was it that I watched? Uh, oh, Django Unchained. And uh, did it make you want to play Red Dead? Yes, it did. Yeah. So I, I'm curious uh, if if people have that kind of feeling too. But the most important thing is you need to figure out how to answer that question, and you can figure it out right now. Just shut up and listen to me. You could go to the YouTube comments if you really want to. Nobody on earth has ever done that, but if you want to, be the first. You can go check out our Twitter over at TriangleSQRD. You can find our Discord in the link description, as Brett said earlier, with all of this. We're just going to remind you. And then our Facebook group over there with, called Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. All you have to do for that one is request to be in it. We'll, be, we'll send you in it. It's pretty easy. And uh, I'll send you about your day. Also, once again, this episode is brought to you by Patreon.com slash Nartech, where you can support us and you know, we always say this, but we appreciate everybody who does, and it it is it is just a weight off of our backs to not have to worry about some of the costs that come into the show, whether it was buying that 4K capture card for uh, episode 200, or if this camera just craps the bed on me right now. Uh, please don't. But if it does, and we we can at least supplement with our own money to buy a new one. Um, so yeah. Some cool perks in there. Go check it out. Go read it and go figure it all out yourself. And uh, the coolest perk, in my opinion, is getting your name read in every episode. And it's it's all done on the whim, too. It is all Brett doing it. It yeah. is not pre-recorded. Nothing. As a matter of fact, I'll say turkey sandwich at the end here in a minute just to prove it to you. Um, but with that being said, thank you guys for episode 205. Next week, we'll show you 206. Thanks, guys. And a big shout-out to our patrons, Mr. Kyle Grimm, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popes, Kevin Baconbits, Mark Schutz, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Josh Drago, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Rob Warpoint, and Richard Schaefer. You guys thought I would say turkey sandwich, but I realized that could be easily just uh, recorded. So, yeah. no, it's not recorded. See how Brett cut me off and said manipulated? Anyways, thank you all for episode 205, and thank you all specifically to our Patreons who like to support us. We'll see you all soon. Bye, guys. <laughs>